In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm not here with my co-host, Jack. I'm here with another podcaster, Scott Drayden. Scott, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Paul. How are you doing tonight? Good, mate. Thanks a lot for your time. And, uh, mate, if I'm correct, you did a podcast last night that was over two hours long. <laughs> it was. The voice is still a little crackly. Uh, I'll blame that on Brad. It gets a little long-winded. I'm short and to the point. Wow, mate. That's good effort, mate. Um, my co-host moans at me if I go over 20 minutes. So, uh, yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> and if I'm correct, Scott, you do loads of uh, radio stations over in the States as well, yeah? Yeah, we bounce around. Do uh, Brad, my co-host, he does some, some spots as well. We've been on most of the channels around there. I do a weekly appearance on Youngstown Radio. Uh, we They do a good job. It's fun to get on there. And this was on with them earlier. So, uh, a lot of buzz about the Browns. It's a lot more... You know, the last few years, I, I wouldn't say it was every appearance was uh, fun. <laughs> Quite the opposite. I mean, the, the draft was fun, but the, the season certainly wasn't. But now, you know, you got, you got a little bit of both. So it's, it's refreshing to get back uh, to what were the glory days. Yeah, last year I was doing my um, uh, draft, um, mock drafts in um, end of November. I, even, I did my first one yesterday. So um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yep, it helps. Yeah, good, good. And uh, tell us, why are you a Browns fan? Yeah, grew up a Browns fan, you know, based in Ohio. Uh, my dad was a hardcore Browns fan. You know, I've heard the uh, your jersey there. I've heard that, those stories about Jim Brown, you know, yeah. growing up. I saw it when, when I got on with you. I've heard those stories my whole life, you know, according to him and anyone of his age group, you know, he's the best player ever. So I grew up, you know, I, I'm 45. So that, that 85 season, I remember kind of. But the 86 season on, you know, I'm 12, 13 years old. Uh, they they're ingrained in my head. If you flip a video on, I see a clip of it. I can tell you the year, tell you the game. You know, just watching. I had a satellite, so I was fortunate enough to get every Brown, not only every Browns game, but every NFL game. But I was just glued in. Uh, you know, Kosar was my favorite player growing up. You know, Mighty Mini, Dixon, Eb, uh, you know, Mac, Clay, all those guys just ingrained in, you know in my soul, so to speak. So grew up and, and you know and just have been that level with them all the way through. Uh, you know, the tough period was you know, 95, that halfway through, all the way through uh, 98 until they came back, uh, managed to get an illegal tour of the new stadium there, paid a construction worker, jumped, <laughs> got up in the owner's suite and did all that kind of stuff. So, you know, talked to Tim Couch over the year, you know, met him in person. So it stuck with me. It, it hasn't been the same, but I got a feeling that it's going to come back to, to what it used to be back then. And if I'm correct, you've got loads and loads of old VCRs of Browns, Yeah. Yeah, I've converted some of them. It's a task. I think if, uh, you know, I'm at the point now where I think it, I could be clinically diagnosed with some issues, the amount of games I record, both college and pro football. Thankfully, I've quit uh, baseball to, to a large degree. I've got totes and totes of basketball games. I've quit doing that. I've uh, got the Final Four uh, basketball probably from 88 till now. And I, I tried to cut all that out. Uh, you know, at one point I could rattle off every championship team from probably 79 or 80 and, and all the sports uh, just, you know, I've leaned less in that part of it a little bit, but 
Uh, it's fun to go back and look at the, the older football games just for the media coverage of nothing else. And, uh, you know, just how they approached the game back then, you know, how the Browns were, how that old stadium was, you know, I share a lot of those videos, which, uh, hits the nostalgic button for, you know, not only Browns fans, but other fans as well of other teams. And, uh, to me, it means something. You got to you got to understand the history of the organization and have a, a respect for it, uh, no matter the team, and, and really embrace that as as we go forward. I think it helps you understand, you know, what could happen there in Cleveland. You know, a true football city. So, what was the first ever game that you recorded on your VCR? I looked back. I, I was fortunate enough to buy some of those off my cousin who had them. He's older than me, my dad's age, so he's my dad's first cousin, whatever that second cousin. So, I've got some there, but I, I found my horrible handwriting I mean atrocious and at the time I only had you know a short block of games so I would write basically in code you know <laughs> some little description that now means nothing so it's a game from 1988 at the time you know five years later I'd remember what that meant even now I look at them what the heck and you got to punch it in you know an old VHS tape I, I, I've got some I know that I recorded myself in 87 uh, and some I think even into 86 I'm 12 13 years old uh recorded HBOs inside the NFL <laughs> and all those shows would watch them three or four times a week and then record them as well. So it, it's fun to go back and look at them. But uh, if I struck it rich, I still don't think I'd have enough time to actually catalog them all myself. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe someday some rich person will buy them all off of me or something. But uh, it's, it's, I'm glad I've scaled back a little bit, but it's kind of cool to go back and, you know, my thought process at the time, you know, being youngster wasn't the nostalgia point of it. It was somebody's going to tell me what these guys were. I, I'm a history brain a little bit. Somebody's going to tell me what these players are 15 years from now, and I don't think it'll be true. And you can see that in the media today. So I recorded. I can go back and see what they were. I don't need someone else's opinion, that kind of stuff. So that's what it kind of kick-started for me. Awesome. And uh, my next question, um, what body part are you willing to give up for, super, uh, for the Browns to win the Super Bowl? That's a tough one. That's, that's not something I, I've thought of. You guys over in England are pretty hardcore this kind of – giving up body part stuff, aren't you? I, I watch yeah. Netflix and your shows. Um, I would uh, – a body part, man, that's tough. I'd probably give up in a year maybe or a toe, I think. That's, I don't know if I'd go much farther than that. How about you? I said left leg, but um, – <laughs> Left leg, woo! I may, I may downgrade now that we're doing so well. <laughs> yeah, change your bet on that. That's a good call. Yeah, next season I may go to my left, my left little toe, I think. Cause, uh, there you go. Playoffs maybe next year. Okay, good. And um, here's one on the spot for you. What year do you think we're going to win the Super Bowl? That's a tough one. I, I think, you know, the AFC, I, I see the older teams stepping back. Uh, you know, and people have predicted that for years and been wrong. Uh, but I, I think New England's starting to tail the other way. I think Pittsburgh potentially could tail. I, I'm not big on Baltimore. That Kansas City team's scary. Uh, you know, Chargers with Rivers, they're, they're factor this year, but they're going to they're gonna tail back. You got Houston and Indianapolis with Watson and Luck. Uh, I think they'll have a legitimate chance. I think they'll be in the playoffs next year, but I think their true chance will come in 2020, and I think they'll get in that championship game mix then. So 20 or 21, I think they'll be legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, it'd be amazing, eh? That would be. It'd be incredible. It's been a long time. Yeah, good, good. And how, how often do you get up to watch the Browns play? I, I, it varies. I go to – I like going to road games a little bit. Uh, I like going to camp and road games, you know. Uh, I, I think uh, for me, and maybe I'm just wired that way, a little contentious or whatever you want to say, but I like that road game feel when you're in the Browns garment and just being there and, and, you know, feeling that crowd and not being a, you know, jackass about it, you know, trying to instigate anything, but just being there 
and, and feeling that vibe. So a few games a year, but usually on the road. That's what I like doing. Yeah, I was in uh, Baltimore uh, on the on the weekend, and that was uh, absolutely awesome. Good, good fun. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, it's good fun. I wasn't too yeah. much of a, I wasn't too much of a jackass, but uh, I was winding up a few Ravens fans. All right, excellent. And um, who in the Browns organization would you most want to go for a drink with at the moment? Yeah, if you if you're thinking about it, just a drink. I think the best storyteller would be. Uh, you want somebody that's a little older. You want somebody that's a little uh, rough around the edges, I think. I, I'd go Greg Williams. That man's got some stories. Uh, no matter what you feel on him as a coach, you could get inside the, the bounty gate a little bit, get a few drinks in him. Uh, you know, he's been everywhere. He's coached with everybody, coached against everybody. He's seen it all done and all in his time in the NFL. I think his, his storytelling ability over a few drinks would, would be fascinating. I'd love to pick his brain. Uh, and how I heard stories about him recently. Um, you know, an older gentleman who's been covering the NFL forever talked about, can't think of the other coordinator he mentioned, but it was it was him and, and Greg Williams and how they handled Michael Vick and his prime and how they challenged that. So you could go all the way back to the Vick, you know, his early days and how he defended him, Brady and all those guys. Be fascinating storytelling uh, from a guy that, you know, is rough around the edge. I think it, I, my guess would be he could put a few pops down with anybody. Yeah, I wonder if I sat next to him and was in a suit uh, in London, and Greg Williams was there. He didn't even know I was a Browns fan. I wonder if he'd be a gentleman or whether he'd be quite rude, you know? I wonder I wonder what type of character he would have been. Because he's got quite a lot of kids. So uh, I wonder if he's a, he's a gentleman at heart and tough at football, or right. is he just an arsehole 24-7? <laughs> I don't think he is. I think he is in the spirit of competition, as you said. Uh, my my guess is he he'd be very approachable and, and likable outside of football. Yeah, okay, great, great. All right, great. Well, look, it's an exciting time of the year, and uh, you know quite a lot about the draft. What what's your um what's your views at the moment on the Browns? What you think we need? And um, yeah, any any names out there? So yeah, first of all, what what positions do you think we should be looking for going into the draft? Yeah, I think there's a lot of areas in need. And I, I get the excitement. I'm, I'm certainly not taken away from it. I think, you know, this team's building in the right way. Uh, but there, there was a stretch of games there where they're playing teams that aren't very good. Uh, we saw what they are a little bit against Baltimore. And to be fair, they were competitive with them. You know, the Chargers games, the Chiefs games, and, and other games, they, they really weren't in that game. Uh, and Baltimore's a, a, a dangerous team, but they're not an offensive dynamite. But they ran the ball down our throats. Uh, so you look on the, the defensive side of the ball, they need a de- defensive tackle. I don't think you can draft specifically for the Baltimore team. You know, it's a tough mix because most teams are spread. Uh, so they're, they're with the – you know, most teams are going with the smallish, quicker linebackers. But in that game against the Baltimore, you need the thumpers or you go five defensive linemen. So you look at D-tackle, uh, which I don't think they're in a very good spot to get the high-level guys there. You look at linebacker, I think is an issue still. Uh, who knows? I think Collins, you know, he could be gone. I think Kirksey could potentially be gone uh, via trade or cut. Uh, you look at, I think, corner's still an issue. Ward will be healthy, hopefully. Uh, Terrence Mitchell played pretty well. Uh, Carey, I think there's an issue there. I think the corners will come later. I know a lot of people are forecasting that in the first round. I don't think that'll be the case. Uh, overall depth, this team, we could see that being an issue. And and, and that's normal. You come from a, an 0-16 team, a new general manager that flips over half the roster. I think he's going to do uh, not that much, but he's going to flip a high percentage again. Depth is an issue. Uh, on offense, you know, I thought Greg Robinson played well at left tackle. However, I still think that's an issue. He's going to be a free agent. Are they going to sign him? They need depth at offensive line. Uh, I thought overall the line played better once Mayfield got in there. I thought they ran block pretty well for Nick Chubb. 
Uh, depth is still an issue. Some of that depth, I think Corbett will be ready this year. Uh, at the very least, he's going to offer depth at the guard position and a rotational center. Uh, but I think the tackle position, I didn't like what Hubbard did for most of the year, play better down the stretch. Uh, receiving is, you know, there, there's some ifs there. I thought, you know, Jarvis Landry's Jarvis Landry. Uh, I thought Callaway showed some upside down at the end. Uh, but they need a bigger target. They need a little slot receiver. I think it could be more dependable later rounds. A big target in the first round is a potential guy, I think, with size. Tight ends, Njoku took big steps. I'd still like Njoku's what I – when we talk about on our show, he's a splash player, and that's okay. He's the big splash. He's coming up making a spectacular play, but he's not the Zach Ertz type tight end where it's third and five, he's going to run a precise route, catch the ball every time, right where you need him to be. He's not that. And I think with a young quarterback, that type of tight end would be beneficial. And, you know, I always got a couple of those guys potentially coming out. One of them is. Uh, so you look at tight end, maybe. I don't think they'd be first round there. Uh, but there's a lot of room. I, you, know, you know, there's no position I think will go untouched in, in this draft, even, potentially even a backup quarterback. You know, uh, Tyrod Taylor will walk. Uh, Drew Stanton, um, he's great to have in the locker room, but he's not somebody you're going to throw in the field or something. The worst case happens, he's not going to be the guy. So there are a lot of – you know, they've got uh, what, 11 picks. I think they'll use some of those to trade up. John Dorsey is uh, – uh, he's a gunslinger mentality. Uh, if he sees a guy he wants that's there at eight or nine, he's going to use that draft capital to get up and get it, and that's a good thing. We've seen the opposite. <laughs> Browns, you know, you, the last four years, great guys there. Eh, we can get multiple picks. That's moved down. That does not work, and, and people argue with me every year. That's not how you do the game. You, get, you see good player, you get good player. It's as simple as that, and I think he'll do that. Uh, so this team's close. Uh, but depth is a big concern, and, and the positions I mentioned are as well. What about the safety position? Do you think we need to draft anywhere on the safety? It depends. I think that they'll do some for uh, for depth, no doubt. Uh, I don't know. You know, the safety from Alabama is a good-looking player. Uh, but, I, you know, I thought Randall was a player this year. Uh, I was beyond pleasantly surprised with what Demarius Randall did. You look at that trade now, and, again, Kaiser's career is not over. But to trade Kaiser for him and the impact for the Browns now and long-term, what a trade. Uh, I, I doubt that Kaiser will ever do anything for Green Bay. That He was everywhere. Ball hawking safety, got up on the line, had some injury plays. Jabril Peppers, I thought, played pretty well. Him and Kindred are, are very similar players. But Peppers, you know, once he's in his natural position, which he finally was, he played very well. And, you know, take the punt return, kickoff return duties out of his hand, let Callaway or whoever do that play him a strong safety. I, I thought he played very well down the stretch. You know, they struggle a little bit against Baltimore, but that Baltimore team's cut from a different cloth. Teams aren't used to seeing that right now, which is odd that you're not used to seeing a power running game. But in today's NFL, that's the case. And, you know, we see every team is struggling with it. I don't think the Chargers will because they're getting a second look. But the Browns will adjust to that. But I, I, I like those safeties, and I think they've got a bright future there in Cleveland. All right, Scott, here's a tough question for you. We've, like, identified maybe seven positions there. DT, defensive end, wide receiver, linebacker, cornerback, OT on your O-line and a tight end. Which ones would be your uh, one to seven biggest needs at the moment do you think we need? Yeah, I think linebacker is a big issue, but I don't necessarily – I wouldn't draft that in the first round. So your biggest hole may not be where you go in the first round. It's because of the value of the position yeah. you're picking at. 17, you're, you're middle of the pack. Uh, you know, I think – in today's league, it's all about it's about protecting the passer and rushing the passer outside of the quarterback. Uh, so you know they they look at other DN there too. Uh, if they can get a DN to rush, uh, Agba, I know he's got his supporters, but I thought he really struggled this year. 
so even though that's not a deep need, I think it, the pass rushing element of it is. You look at a guy like Josh Allen from Kentucky, he's one of my favorite players in the draft, uh, but they're going to have to they're going to have to spend to get him. And what that means, he's probably top ten. I think the quarterbacks will push him down a little bit. Uh, you know, if Haskins comes out, maybe Drew Lockett pushes him down. Uh, but they, I could see them trading up to try to get him in that 10 or 11 spot. Uh, but he's going to be – he might go higher than that. He's a draft commodity. Uh, but, you know, those type of players, where they're at at 17, if they stay there, uh, the Harry kid from Arizona State, big, tough, physical receiver. I like him. I like Akeem Butler from uh, my boy Matt Campbell's Iowa State, big receiver. I think I want Mayfield to get that big guy because he loves – we've seen it all year. If, if the corner has his head turned – he throws it. And a lot of quarterbacks won't do that. If you get those big targets like the two guys I mentioned, uh, the Metcalf kid from Ole Miss, uh, big-time talent. He was hurt, hurt his neck. The guy's a super athlete. Uh, he's questionable. He's high-risk, high-reward. But I think we've seen, you know, high-risk, high-reward does not face John Dorsey at all. I mean, that's not something that he's ever going to worry about. In fact, I think he embraces it and it entices him more than it, it pushes him back from it. So those are three receivers that, you know, I, I like real well. Uh, I'd be happy with any of those three. Um, you know, they need some – I think they need more help on that side of the ball, on the offense side of the ball for Mayfield. And, and you'd be happy taking a wide receiver in the first round? I, I normally would say no. And the reason I normally say no is because we're drafting higher. And you look at, at the last few years, those top ten, and, and I get you can go back to, you know, the Calvin Johnsons of the world and those guys. But in the last several years, these top-tier receivers have not played very well. And part of this is the systems in college. They're not used to the route tree. They don't know how to run the route tree. They're running, you know, smoke screens, slants, you know, all the bubble screens and all the stuff, which they did a lot at Oklahoma. Uh, but now the NFL's adapted to that a little bit. You look at a guy like, you know, if if he's if they're there at 17 and they pick someone else and, and, and you know, Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma, he's, he's not a big receiver. Uh, he's probably 5'9". We had Ryan Aber from uh, the Oklahoma who covers Oklahoma. He said he weighed 140-some pounds when he got to, to – Norman, but now he's you know, 170. His injury concerns, but man, he can take the top off, and, and they need that as well. So I'm not opposed to taking receiver at 17. I don't think any of these guys are worth trading up for, though. Yeah, okay. So I think um, it makes sense. Maybe look at the defensive end first round, then uh, um, second round. It's got to be a wide receiver, right? Or I would think so. It's tough to say where these guys are going to fall. Um, you know, you, you look at a guy like Nikhil Harry, I, I like, and, you know, a receiver I didn't mention, and, you know, I'm, I'm seeing his praises all the time, is uh, uh, Anthony Johnson from the University of Buffalo. I, he he was banged up early in the year, and, and people kind of forgot about him. He was a high name last year. He could have come out and made a name for himself. I think he might be at the Senior Bowl. This kid produces, uh, produces at a big-time rate. So he's the guy that, that could potentially be there in the second round. Uh, he's my kind of player, um, you know, Tough little receiver that will come in and get it. You know, route runner, knows how to use his hands. So, if he's there in the second round, I, I think, you know, you got you got to look at him. Uh, but this is a pretty good receiver class. You know, that people love to hammer it every year. But the four or five guys I've named, the other kid, Brown, A.J. Brown from Ole Miss, will get picked as well. You know, two guys from Ole Miss. So, th this is going to be a pretty good receiver class, in my opinion. It's good timing for, for where the Browns are at. And we're in a good position in the draft because we've got the second, uh, third-round pick. Yeah, yeah. We got, we got extra picks. Um, you know, 17 is a good spot. You know, you look at historically, unfortunately, Baltimore and Pittsburgh have picked later on in those drafts. And you're not – when you're there, you're just not going need all the time or you're not, this guy's great, I'm going there. You pick – you just take the best player available. And the Browns are kind of at that spot right now. 
uh, you know, the, the big time pass rushers like, you know, Bosa, uh, you know, who knows, a Rashawn Gary from Michigan, he, his value might drop, you know. Uh, Annette Oliver's got some uh, character issues, supposedly. Everybody jumps all over that. But when, when you can play the game of football, you know, a lot of times that they overlook that. He's from Houston, big defensive tackle that can, can rush the pass or move to end as well. So, I mean, there, there's some good players in this draft from a defensive side of the ball, which is – I think it lines up well for the Browns. Seth DeVal hasn't really featured that much. I know he's had injuries. Um, Fells has done well. Um, do you think we're going to definitely draft or pick a free agent new tight end? I, I think so, and that, that's something to, to keep in mind when you when you talk about uh, you know free agents. They've got a lot of cap room, you know, a ton of cap room. There's going to be guys on the market just like he did this year. He had a lot of key pieces, you know, uh, to trade for Jarvis Landry. You know, it took some cap room uh, to to sign Randall in the trade. It took some cap room. He knows what he's doing. He's been around. You know, you plug and play. But to me, you know, as I mentioned, Njoku's a – I think he's still got potential. I mean, he's, he's, he had over 600-some yards receiving. He's not – I want a tight end that's that reliable guy on those short third downs uh, can do it. Even if some of you think back to those Patriots teams that uh, had Gronkowski and uh, Aaron Hernandez, sad story. But when you had those two together, churning together, things are pretty easy for Brady over the scene. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mayfield can read that quick enough. You look at a guy like – I had to look his name up. It escaped me. But the kid from Missouri, I would not pronounce it. Uh, you can look him up. I really liked him, you know, as a freshman even. He was a big-time player. I'm not even sure he'll drop to 17. Uh, the Noah Fant kid from Iowa played well. The other kid from Iowa, uh, Hawkinson, I like him a ton. I don't know if he's going to come out. But this is a good class as well for tight ends where you could get, you know, a productive route-running type of tight end even in the second round. What do you think this um, draft class is weak at? Yeah, I, I, I'm the guy, if you, for those of you that have followed me very long, you know for the specifically the last three seasons, I said this quarterback class is better than what everybody says. You wait till the draft, they will be taken high. You had all the gurus, oh, these guys aren't going to the first round. They will be taken high. Guarantee it. Watch, rinse, repeat, and it happens every year. And they will be good. I, I love these last three draft classes, and you're seeing that that's going to be the case. However, I'm not so sure about this class. Uh, I like Haskins from Ohio State. Uh, I really like his upside, but there's he's got one year of starting. Uh, I like Drew Locke a little bit. He's athletic. Uh, the Herbert kid from Oregon went back. So Will Greer, I think Will Greer, I think Will Greer should write a check to Mayfield because people that would have doubted Will Greer, me included, because of his lack of size and he doesn't have the big arm. I think his accuracy and his ability to get the ball out quick due to Mayfield and the NFL will help him a little bit. But I'm not, I'm not overwhelmed with this class right now. So I, I think that, you know, you don't see a lot of the big name running backs either, uh, you know, like in years past, you don't have a Barkley or anybody like that. So it'll be interesting to see. But with that being said, you can guarantee it, take it to the bank, uh, write it down and circle it. Teams will draft quarterbacks high. Wash, rinse, repeat. It's going to happen. And I don't blame them. It's the most valuable position in all of sports. Mm-hmm. Your return, it's, it's a high risk, but your return is great. I would not be surprised if teams move in the top five even to draft a Haskins, uh, top ten for a lock. I think those two guys are, you know, they're big. Uh, the lock kid's very athletic. He's raw. But those two guys, and that's good news for Browns fans, it pushes the other players down to them at 17. Uh, the more the merrier now that we have a quarterback. Yeah, good, good. All right, well, look, thank you very much for uh... – Giving me a bit more in depth into the uh, draft that's useful. And uh, finally, um, 
What's your view on the head coach situation? Yeah, it's a tricky situation. I, I don't know if it's smoke and mirrors. I think that's part of it. You know, the, I caution everyone, if you hear, you know, Coach A is interviewing with the Browns, don't, don't necessarily rely that that's true until they do. Uh, you know, and, you know it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult game. And what they're doing, you've got behind the scenes, you've got agents that want to prop their client up. So they release that their client's looking at this team, looking at this team or being in contact. It may not be true. Uh, so you got all these people positioning and angling, and it, it's a soap opera. I love it. I think it's fascinating. And it's fascinating to me how people fall for it, like the Condoleezza Rice report, which I knew the second that was out, that was a joke. But to me, you look at the interview candidate pool thus far. There's nine or ten guys that are either have been requested to interview or have interviewed. On the surface, it's not that impressive. Uh, you know, there's some guys there that, you know, I kind of like Eberflus from Indianapolis. I, I, Sirianni, I think, is a little raw. Uh, the Steph Nasky guy from, from Minnesota, I think, is a little raw. I think a little early. I'm not enamored with Kitchens, you know, as being the end-all, be-all like some are. I like him. I think he did a good job. I don't think he's ready for head coach. I don't want Williams. I don't like Caldwell. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy, uh, he's a tough one to evaluate because – you got a coach that's been with Aaron Rodgers that long. You expect championship, championship, championship. Yeah. That's not all his fault either. His resume is as good as Sean Payton's, who everybody loves. As good as Jim Hart or John Harbaugh, who I love. His his resume is as good as Mike Tomlin. So there's all these guys that are well respected. McCarthy's got as many wins and a Super Bowl with it. His winning percentage is right there with him. I, I think he's probably the best of the bunch that that have interviewed. Uh, my number one choice would be Josh McDaniels. I know. Uh, people love to get it up in arms. Well, look what he did to the Colts. Hey, this is not this is not golf, guys. This is not an etiquette sport. <laughs> if he can coach and he, he proves that he can coach, they're going to hire him. And people doubted me when I said that several weeks ago, but you can see he's already got an interview with Green Bay. Uh, he turned down the Bengals. Uh, I like Chris Richard from, from uh, Dallas. I've sang his praises for a while. I think he's a, a young guy. He's a defensive guy, which I, that makes me think he probably won't get the Browns job. Uh, but he's a guy that just makes an impact. He brings enthusiasm, energy. He's smart. Uh, if you hear Ron Marinelli talk about him, who's a legend, nothing but praise. And, you know, calls him a, a genius football coach at a young age. Uh, so I, I like him a ton. Uh, from the college ranks, you know, Lincoln Riley, uh, as, as you can appreciate, we had Ryan Aber on last night scheduled beforehand. And then the night before it comes out that Lincoln Riley or the day of Lincoln Riley signs an extension with Oklahoma. So that story goes away from us. So I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he would have, you know, obviously been a good, you know, candidate. He could have, you know, most jobs that are open. Uh, but from the college ranks, I like Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Uh, people point to, well, he didn't win the division. He's what you're looking for. You know, it's not just about resume, meaning wins and losses. It's about what is he doing with the talent he has? What type of team is he creating, building? What type of culture is he building? You look at what he's done there immediately. He's won more games at Iowa State in a season. He's taken them to bowl games. He's doing things that have never haven't been done in 30 years in Ames, yeah. Iowa. He is a football coach and he's he and the scouts and everybody that passed through there to, to scout his NFL draft prospects are amazed by him and what he can do. And when they, you know, this interview process, it's not coming in. So you went, your offense was ranked 15th last year. Let's talk about that. That's not what they're doing. How do you envision this team? How would you build this team? What's your overarching theme for this team? What would you do if this happens? What would you do if this happens? What kind of staff would you happen? Uh, would you build? So it's all about that culture and team building uh, behind the scenes. So, you know, you look at McDaniels, and I get it. The Indianapolis situation is a bad look. There's no other way to spin it. 
However, he's the one that hired Matt Eberflus there as a, as a defensive coordinator. And that kind of went under the radar. He's the one that brought him in. So he knows the coaching game. He's been around, obviously, with Belichick. Um, that's a big part of it. So we'll see. You know, I didn't think – I truly thought he was out of the mix because this was the week to request an interview with him, as the Packers and Bengals did. Uh, but then a report came out today by Steve Durashek from the Canton Rep, Rep, which I like a lot, that there is interest through back channels with the games and the Browns. So we'll see. I think he would be a perfect match for Mayfield, though, as a coach. Uh, I think you get the most out of him, plus he knows the league. Uh, be a tremendous hire, in my opinion. And if I put a gun to your head, he'd be your number one choice at this stage? He would be, McDaniels. Uh, I, my heart of hearts, I don't think he's going to get it. My co-host says he will. Uh, but we both want him. But uh, I don't know. I just – and I might be completely wrong because Dorsey's not one to show his hand. I would just uh, – in my heart of hearts, I would have thought they would have interviewed him this week. Uh, but, you know, who knows? If he's not interested in the Packer job, he's still out there. To me, when you look at these jobs, Paul, um, if you look historically at the Browns, they're they're getting the the runt of the of the litter. They're getting the the, the table crumbs. Getting you know they're going through this guy. They're hiring uh, nothing against Mike Patton. They're hiring Rochadzinski, Mike Patton, and people are going who what? And now you've got a job where not only are you trying to compete with Green Bay and a few other teams maybe to get the candidate but more so the candidates are competing to be your head coach. They want this job. Yeah. And that's, it's a different world. Yeah, it's really exciting times. I'm, it is. I'm sitting here thinking, let's just give the current uh, coaches just one more season and, and let it, let's see what happens. And uh, my co-host says, look, mate, you're thinking too uh, short-term. You're, not, you're thinking too narrow-minded. You're not thinking about winning the Super Bowl in three, four years. Right, they, they could have a great year next year, but then the year afterwards, where are we? So um, I, I get both sides, but um, they've done such a great job. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, and if the new coach comes in and they don't do as well as the guys we've got at the moment, oh, yeah, the, the the dog pound's gonna go crazy. Yeah, I think for me the way to think about it is so so John Dorsey's as a GM, he's tied at the hip with Baker Mayfield, no way around it. Yeah. And that's because he chose to be. And he's also going to be tied to this head coach. So if he hires a coach uh, and they start out a little slow, I don't think it's the end of the world. People will panic because people always do. But it's not the end of the world. It's, okay, we're getting our legs under us. We're getting it. Whereas if you bring in a, a guy like Williams who's got the resume already, to me that's a bigger panic mode than you've wasted a year, which, quite frankly, they wasted a year this year. Um, and I don't know this to be a fact, but what should have happened was John Dorsey's hired. He's in December a year ago, 17. Uh, he's hired. What do you want to do with the coach? Should have been the question asked, not you are keeping Hugh Jackson. So you go into that. Heck, Matt Nagy might be their head coach right now. Those two knew each other. And now this whole season that we just went through is different and the future is different. I think the more you, time you waste, you're closing that window. And you want to keep that window open as much as possible with uh, a young coach tied to – uh, Mayfield for the future. That that's kind of my take on it. Scott, that's a really good point because yeah, Dorsey's been here now for over a year. He's had to stay he had to stay with you. The Haslam yeah. the Haslam <laughs> wanted wanted that manager, sorry, the head coach in a three year. So we're not like we're not like give and yeah. go, shut the guy down. Haslam's came out and said that. Yeah. So um yeah it's a it's a it's a tough one. And now Dorsey like could be saying, look, 
you gave me the job and now you're telling me who you want as, you know, I'm the GM, I make the calls. It's tough because, you know, they've, you know, I think in any business, the very intelligent people that are are good at what they do, when they step into a new business, they're, they're intelligent enough to know that they don't know what they're doing, right? So I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to hire this guy who does know what he's doing. I'm going to get out of his way. However, egos, ego, ego. You know, these are, you know, billionaires. And where you see it, you see with Jerry Jones, you see it with other owners and, and all sports, Gilbert a little bit, their ego gets in the way. You know, they want to make sure they're getting a little credit. And I mean, I get it. You're buying something for a billion dollars. You do have an investment there and you want to be a part of it. But if, you, if your sole purpose is to win, you're smart enough to hire the right guy, then let the right guy do the job. Yeah. And I hope we're there now. I'm not 100% sure we are, but I hope we're there now. Yeah, good, good, good. Well, look, Scott, thank you so much for your time. We've gone well over your sore throat, so I do apologize. <laughs> I'm um, good. Appreciate it, Bob. <laughs> Scott, where can uh, all my listeners um, uh, find uh, yourself? And uh, yeah, do you want to plug yourself? Yeah, absolutely. At Brown Scout is the uh, Twitter handle for me. At Brown Scout Pod is the show handle. Uh, BrownsWarRoom.com, you can find me there. If you Google Brown Scout Podcast, uh, it'll come up. It's on USA Today Browns Wire page. Uh, I'm not good like my co-host to get where you can listen to it, but you'll find it there. He, he rattles off more stuff than I can remember. That's how you find us. Yeah. Uh, I think someone said on Twitter, we're spoiled with the amount of Browns podcasts we've got. But yeah, look, uh, we're, we're, all, we're all one big team. We're all one big community. Share the love and... Uh, Yes, yeah, Scott, hopefully one day I look forward to meeting you for a, a, a drink in uh, Cleveland one day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks a lot for your time. And uh, yeah, hopefully get you on uh, getting closer to the draft. And uh, yeah. you can tell me who you're locked on uh, number 17 is or we're, we're going up to get someone. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Thanks, Paul. All right, you take care, Scott. Thanks very much. You too, Paul. There's change coming. There's change coming.